forever. Dog. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Writers Panel podcast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. On this podcast, we talk about the business and process of writing mostly television with mostly television writers. My name is Ben Blacker. I'm the creator and host of this show. I myself am a television writer and a writer of other things. You may have seen my name on Supernatural, on Puss in Boots, as well as some other series. Most recently, you can find the Audible original series Cut and Run, which my writing partner and I have written. It's about the relationship woes of best friends who happen to be kidney thieves. It's available at audible.com slash cut and run. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on iTunes. That's always very helpful for us. Also, please follow me on Twitter at Ben Blacker, like the color, only more so. And let me know who else you would like to see on this show. What are you watching on television? What's getting you excited or inspired? And we'll try to get those creators or at least someone from the show to talk about TV because that's what we love to talk about. Here's the theme song. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! I'm here in the little fires everywhere, writer's room, uh, before it breaks up, right? You're all almost done. That's why we're doing this now. Yeah. Um, Last week. I should say we are recording this almost a year before you are hearing it. Um... So there's stuff I don't know, uh, but I do love this book, and I'm a big fan of the showrunner of this program, uh, Liz Tiglar. Thanks for being back on the show. Thanks for having me in. What I'm going to do is uh, have you introduce yourself, and then let's just go around and have everyone say who they are on the microphones so the listener knows what you sound like. Tell us somewhere we may have seen your name on TV before as well. Uh, and Liz, let's start with you. Um, Liz Tiglar, and... Um... Uh, you might have seen my name on uh, Life Unexpected, <laughs> um, Casual. I don't know if you go way far back, American Dreams, um, Bates Nashville. Motel, Nashville, Revenge. These are good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but most most recently, Casual. Right? Most recently, For Casual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Shannon Houston, uh, you've seen my name on Hulu's The Looming Tower and. Amazon's Homecoming, and soon, hopefully, Lovecraft Country on HBO. I say soon, hopefully, because I think it's going to be out in 2020, so you might not have seen that yet. Was that, is that room, has that come and gone already? Yes, uh, we did season one, but uh, we haven't started shooting yet, so it's going to be some time. Good. Get excited. Thanks. Maybe by the time this comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm Harris Danow. I was on Casual for... Four seasons, and now I'm here. Hello, I'm Rosa Handelman. I was on TBS's Wrecked, and I was on Casual with Harris and Liz. I'm Ramla Mohammed, and uh, I was on Scandal for uh, the run of the show. I'm Amy Talkington. You probably haven't seen my name on TV. I come from Features. Well, unless mm-hmm. you saw my indie movie, The Night of the White Pants on Showtime. You haven't seen my name on TV. Um, but I do have a movie that'll be out before this airs, uh, the remake of Valley Girl for MGM. And what have you written TV? I thought you had some pilots and things, right? I've, had, I've developed some pilots. Okay. Um, I have written a couple of TV movies. Sorry. Do um, it, do it, say and then, it. Yes, we got to say it. <laughs> Liz and I developed a show called Ice Queens. Um, about Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan that is not probably on the air yet by the time this comes out, but it will be. <laughs> it will be. Rosa worked awesome. on it too. And Rosa worked on it's it too. It's our passion project. 
We can rewrite it. We can do a script reading if you want. <laughs> um, I'm Attica Locke. I worked on Empire and Ava DuVernay's uh, Central Park Five. And I also write books. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Catherine Kearns, and you've seen my name nowhere. <laughs> what are you doing here, Catherine? <laughs> How'd you get in this room? <laughs> uh, I'm the writer's room assistant. Okay. Um, it comes from, uh, I was previously on The Walking Dead. No, that's fine. <laughs> Not to brag. <laughs> that, this feels like a brag. I won't lie. Like, be, getting to be on this show feels like a brag. Um, let's talk about putting together this team. And, um, you know, there are some folks you worked with on Casual, uh, folks who I'm sure are new to you. I'm curious to hear about the stuff that you were reading, what you responded to, especially for the people you didn't know. Yeah. Um, how how did you find them? What did you read of them? What did you respond to in general as you were reading stuff? Well, and I should say Nancy Wan is the one writer yes. who's not here because she's home sick and working. Uh, but she and I work together. I, I mean, mm. she has an extensive resume that has nothing to do with me. That is <laughs> Jessica. She comes from most recently Jessica Jones. But she and I work together on American Dreams and Brothers and Sisters and Dirty Sexy Money. Oh and so we kind of have a long history a long time ago. And I guess that kind of segues into putting together the room. Um, you know, I always like to work with people I know just because there's a comfort and a shorthand and a guarantee that you're not going to kind of be in a crazy room. You feel like you're going to get to control your environment and that everything's going to be like safe and fine. Um, and so I, you know, knew I wanted to hire some people I knew, and then I knew I wanted to hire new people as well. And so, um, putting together the room, you know, the strategy had been in the beginning to put together a very small room because it's only eight episodes and I was writing the pilot. So it was really only seven episodes, so we thought we would probably, you know, I'd maybe hire three other writers, four tops. And, um, you know, there were obviously people. I had just come off working with Amy and Rosa on Ice Queens. I had just come off working with Rosa and Harris on Casual. Um, and so I was very interested in hiring them. But then what happened was I started to kind of branch out and meet with people. And I think Romla was the first person who, <laughs> who, well, she comes from scandal. And so oh. Carrie knew her well, um, and loved her. And she, when I met with Carrie, she said, you have to meet this writer who I love. And of course I read Romla. I loved her writing. I met her and I was like, Oh, it's Romla. I've got to, we've got to hire Romla. Um, and then I met Attica. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, Attica. I read her. She's, you know, obviously such a talented TV writer, but then has this whole other full career as a novelist. Um, and, you know, everybody, especially in putting together the room of people I didn't know, um, you know, with Ramla, I knew she was coming off scandal. And so not only that relationship with Carrie, which is always invaluable, um, but I knew, you know, and just from talking to her about the show, I, we both come from network TV and I knew that she would, you know, bring kind of that plot twist. Um, I say soap in a good way. I know sometimes people say soap in a bad I'm, I'm way. I'm fine with that. I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, we have a love of 90210 that's very mutual and shared. And so we love soap in a good way. And I just knew that she would know how to like twist the plot and come up with those things. Um, that maybe even from 
my years of being on casual and something kind of slower and different, like maybe I had like lost flexing that muscle a little bit. And then, I mean, Attica is just like a whole wealth of, you know, in terms of her beautiful writing and then um, just the the mystery of it and the court stuff. And like there was just, she just court has stuff. She had the court stuff. That's the official word. The court stuff. Attica no. loves courtroom steps. <laughs> she loves, yes. I didn't know how much she loved a courtroom hallway or courthouse steps until she got here. But, but I just, I just knew she had also like a whole skill set that, that was beyond me. And then I was like, okay, our room is full. I can't hire anybody else. And then Dan are like, Oh, Fritz is barking outside. That's my dog. Um, <laughs> he, we can't do this without him. Um, and our mutual agent was like, but you have to meet Shannon. You have to meet Shannon. And Shannon is very important and she's on very fancy shows and it's not easy to meet Shannon. And so we tried for months and months, but and by the time I met her, I was like, I've hired everybody. I don't have a position that's, you know, um, and then I met Shannon and was like, oh my gosh, I'm Shannon. Like, so anyway, that is how the room expanded gotcha. to fill everything. You just year. fell in love with a series of people and just had to have them Yeah, around. it was like every, everybody I met with was, yeah. um, was somebody that I just desperately wanted here. And, you know, I there was only one writer that I literally did not have room to hire who hmm. I dearly loved too, which was my um, kind of only regret of staffing that I couldn't fit her too. But... Um, but yeah, it was, it was, and, and everybody had, you know, I think, you know, such a, such a different perspective and ways that they connected with the book when mm -hmm. we met. I mean, some of the people, Rosen Harrison, Amy and Nancy, who I knew, I knew ways, I, I imagined that I knew the ways that they connected to the book. Mm -hmm. um, but then even getting to hear about ways I didn't even realize. And then with Attica, Rommel, and Shannon, they each have such different perspectives and such different um, life stories and, and ways that the book resonated with them that it just, it, it, it has rounded out the show in such a um, profound way. And, and I say it all the time, but I literally do not believe we would have been able to make the show without every single person in this room. That's like, fantastic. I just, I think it would have been a vastly different show if any one person wasn't here. Um, I really feel that way. When you touch on something that I want to get into with the rest of you, which is how do you connect with the book? Uh, I mean, I think this is the kind of book that that people do connect to in very specific ways and very personal ways. And, and I'm curious about bringing that to the room and translating it to TV. Um, but I want to start just by talking about the book and, and anyone who wants to jump in, just talk to me about your relationship to the book and how you sort of talked about that, especially if it was part of one of your first conversations with Liz. Well, I think for me, I, I am the only child of a single mother. So the Mia and Pearl story really mm -hmm. resonated with me. Um, just the dynamic was something I hadn't really read or even seen, you know, on TV. The closest thing I think is like parenthood, I think was mm -hmm. a show that I remember thinking, Oh, that's, that is how it's like. Um, and so that part of the book, the, the kind of partnership that they had, um, that is both, uh, you know, helpful, but also, uh, harmful in other ways. Um, sure, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's fine. Um, <laughs> um, and so, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that part of understanding that it is a very special relationship mm-hmm. between two women and how it, as a child, how it informs you, um, you know, into adulthood and, you know, how my life was shaped. But also thinking about now that I'm older and seeing what that must have been like for my mom to mm-hmm. be a single mother and, um, you know, having a little more understanding, I think, you know, was helpful to me. That's kind of how I resonated. Is that a conversation you've been able to dramatize? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, what's great about this room and, you know, with Liz, you know, being so passionate about everyone is it is true. Like everyone does bring very specific things to Mm -hmm. the room based on their experiences and their relationship with the book. And I think because all of us are passionate, kind, wonderful people. I mean, I really believe that. I I feel like we've been able to create a space and Liz has created the space where we're able to have these honest, personal conversations mm-hmm. about our lives. Um, and that just makes the show better because, you know, no one I think is afraid like that it's not a safe space to share something personal. Um, and I think that just makes the stories better and more specific. And what about the rest of you? I mean, what are you what are you pulling from the book? What are you connecting with in the book that you've been able to bring to the show? Uh, motherhood. Um, I'm the mother of a preteen girl. And like lots of mothers feel often competition and fear that you're not connecting with your child, fear that you're going to lose your child to other friends, other mothers, like get jealous of other mothers, that kind of thing. Um, so the mother thing for me is huge. I also think that for, I can't speak for the other three black women in the room because we're all four, we're all really super different. But I do think that when there was talk about Mia being black, it kind of um, changed a lot of the ways that we looked at the story. Um, the thing that shifted for me over the course is I thought in the book, I was like, no, 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 that's Bibi's baby. I mean, what are we talking about? Here? <laughs> but over the course of working on the thing, I just feel differently. Mm-hmm. And so that that has been interesting for my perspective to shift over the course of writing eight episodes. Yeah. And does that come out of conversations in the room? Conversations in the room and like breaking down the story and seeing it from Linda's point of view, mm-hmm. seeing it from Bibi's point of view. And then also this is a room where people are invited to challenge mm-hmm. themselves about their biases. Interesting. Yeah, I think um, what I related to with the book is <clears throat> the the Richard family, which is not like my family, which I grew up with. Um, I'm from Long Island. It feels very different from Shaker Heights. But this black and white thinking, this sense of, of, of knowing there, there's a certain way of doing things and anything that deviates from it is strange or um, isn't worthwhile uh, or will just lead to trouble. Um, I really related to that. And I, I think one of the things I love about Celeste's writing is that she's extremely empathetic. She is able to look at, um, she's able to see everything through each character's eyes um, with with empathy, um, which is something I strive for too. It's, it's very easy to, you know, the, this is the good character, this is the bad character. Um, and I think it's very easy in our own politics to think that. But when you when you really, really try and and get into why people are thinking things a certain way, why why they think that they're right about these things, um, it, that that's where the drama is for me. That's what the most interesting thing is. And and I just think in general, challenging your own biases, as Attica was saying, 
challenging your perspective on 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 what is right and what is wrong or 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 your view of the world making sure that you really really scrutinize that um which i i for me is something that i've spent most of my life doing like a very slow evolution um to really thinking independently um i really related to izzy in this book um because that's kind of what i felt like i was being i felt like i was a little trapped by a certain ideology um and <clears throat> i I just really appreciate that that in the book and also in the room, as the Gattaca was saying, it's been really great. And, and and I've and I've certainly been challenged in my own views um, in these past five months, and and certainly have a different way of looking at things as a result of the conversations that we've had in this room. Yeah, Harris and I had an email war before we met in the room over who related more with Izzy. <laughs> no, she's my spirit animal. No, she's mine. Well, let me so, ask about yeah. that though, like. You do. She's such an easy character to relate to, I think, um, and and to get protective of. So how do you let that protection go and let her be a character, too? Like, how do you find that balance? How do we find that balance? <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I think I have an answer. Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from the mothers in the room mm -hmm. being like, OK, but what would it really be like to raise a child like this and to get these phone calls from school and where are the areas where we look at Izzy and we're like, we get that you're rebelling, but are you rebelling against everything? Or do you actually have something useful to say? Do you like, do you have something useful to create with that energy? And I think we've tried to kind of use Mia as a character who's like, take all of that anger and do something with it. Otherwise you are just like kind of a bratty rich kid. And we've talked about that, like even interrogating the ways in which she is still a Richardson and the ways in which there are other characters who are similar to Izzy, but, but you know, they express their Izziness in different ways and how we all kind of identify with it. So she's, I think she's, by asking those questions, we've made her a little bit more complicated and not just like lovable all the time. And like, yes, that's who we want to be. It's also like there are problems with some of that behavior and like, what do you sure. do with that? And is it useful? And like, what can we learn and what, what, how much of her is like still a 14 year old girl who's doing dumb shit? <laughs> yeah, we actually, like Izzy makes in, in, in our version, I don't think it's in the book, she makes some of, she makes some of her own art. She's not just sort of apprenticing for, for Mia, but we take, she puts some of, some of the, her behavior into, you know, some slightly misdirected <laughs> artworks. Um, but that was another aspect of the show that, or of the book that really um, excited me was just the art element mm -hmm. and yes. exploring the life of an artist and exploring the art world in New York in the, in the early eighties mm -hmm. is all um, stuff that I was super interested in that um, love to talk about. I just want to add about Izzy is that she is just as rigid in her thinking as her mother. Yeah. Um, and it's, <clears throat> that's also something we explore as well. Uh, I'm just curious to hear about like this book deals with big, big themes, right? It's race, it's class, it's art, it's so many big ideas. How do you start to turn that into a show? How do you start to turn that into eight episodes of a drama that is, I assume, the thing, Liz, that like you do, which is, you know, personal stories and humor and, you know, heart. How do you how do you start to wrestle this book into that well you hire really <laughs> smart people <laughs> and then you kind of let them go like I, you know i feel like um 
obviously the choice to make Mia black um, changes and mm. I think elevates um, the discussion and, and, and makes you kind of scrutinize the book and some of the things that happen and you have to look at them in a different way. Um, and so I think, you know, assembling a group of people who are passionate about dissecting and talking about and exposing, you know, racism, classism, um, exploring motherhood, in Harris's case, parenthood, um, you know, in many of our kids, well, almost all our cases, except Harris, daughterhood. <laughs> um, and then the art, I mean, Amy, you know, Amy and Rosa kind of have the art background and Shannon in terms of, um, um, poetry, which is amazing. And so you can't see it, but our room is kind of covered with art that Amy really curated for us and, and has really spearheaded curating Mia's art. And then kind of in tandem, it, it gets especially explored in Shannon's episode, but Mia's evolution as an artist. So I feel like the group is so passionate about all these subjects that you just start talking. I mean, obviously we start talking about the book. We start talking about what we connect with. We start talking about what we want to pull out, what we want to expand on, but really it gets shaped by, um, by, I mean, by everyone's passion. Yeah. I was going to say too, there's something that Attica said the other day in a conversation we were having that really stuck with me in answer to your question of how do you do that? How do you corral all of these ideas that are so huge. And what Attica said is like, for a lot of us, um, there's no separation between politics, motherhood, race, class, gender, sexual, like, like if you're a black woman and you're mothering, you are thinking about all of those things all of the time. You don't get to turn it off. Um, one of my one of the reasons I was excited about doing this is because I went to high school in Cleveland and it's around the corner from Shaker Heights. And I never spent any time in Shaker Heights. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I've been it's very interesting to me the way uh, lines are divided all throughout this country. And like there are just places that you don't go if you're from a certain neighborhood. And then what does that mean? And then how do you mother and how do you mother differently? And then if you've been exposed to different things, uh, how does that change it? So to me, all of those big things that we're dealing with and that the book is dealing with, there are a lot of us who are dealing with and thinking about those things all of the time. So it's not like you have to, you know, put on your politics brain or like, okay, now we're doing class. Now we're looking at gender. It's like, it's all always there. And it makes every scene and every conversation all the more interesting and all the more complicated. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that what's been, I mean, Harris touched on it, but what's been so profound about this room and what Attica was saying is that for all of us, it's not always there. Do you know what I mean? Some of us do have the privilege or luxury of not having to think about certain things all the time. And so I think just it, I feel completely changed and transformed by this room. I mean, it doesn't feel like I just spent a few months on a TV show. It feels like I just spent a few months in like graduate in like graduate school <laughs> with brilliant professors. Um, I don't know, getting getting schooled in a lot of ways on things that I just haven't spent enough time thinking about. And and I feel like I come out of this room like totally transformed as, as, um, a writer, showrunner, human. Um, and it definitely changes how 
I would ever think about putting together a room again. Um, you know, there's a reason why three of the four people who I knew before were white. And that's because those are the people that I've worked with. And it says a lot about how rooms are um, compiled. And I just, I mean, it, it makes me feel very emotional because I you know, have had to look at my own naivete in terms of staffing over the years, not that I've staffed so much, but, you know, in terms of putting together a room in the past and then sitting on staff in the past and just understanding um, what a deficit we were all at for the lack of inclusiveness um, and the lack of of voices that are different from our own. And so it just it it's just been incredibly illuminating uh, and really moving. Uh, let's sort of talk about the nuts and bolts of this for a minute. And um, did you know how many episodes you were in for? Did you know? Uh... Eight sweet episodes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect number. <laughs> how, how, did, how did you get involved in the first place? How, was this brought to you? Did you bring it to them? No, it was totally brought to me. I went in um, to Hello Sunshine with Lauren Newstetter for a meeting on, uh, like a general meeting. And I was meeting on the morning show. Um and we just kind of hit it off and, and, you know, she said, send me a list of stuff you like. And so obviously Tanya Harding was at the top of the list. <laughs> um, I was like, we can't do that because I'm already doing it. But um, I just sent her a list of stuff I was interested in and, and kind of the new year rolled around and I was going on the morning show and she said, you know, I have this book that I think would be so up your alley. And she sends it to me and I read it and like, probably six hours. <laughs> I mean, I read it fast. And I think halfway through, I was like, I'm in, I don't even care how this book ends. Like, it's so beautiful. It taps into so many things that I connect with. And like Attica said, as someone who's adopted, which some, a lot of us in this room are, I was like, it's the McCullough's baby. There is no question. <laughs> uh -huh. And just like Attica's saying, I think that having been in this room, my perspective has shifted as well. Um, and so anyway, so we, you know, we took it out and we pitched it. Um, it was a different kind of pitching because everybody came to us versus driving all around town. Oh it was gosh. luxurious, <laughs> luxurious pitching with like rosé. And I was like, oh, this is great. Um, and uh, a cheese platter. And um, and yeah, and then it, it was it was amazing. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, and then it sold. And um, and we were so excited to, you know, there were there were so many. Um, it, you know, it was, it was hard to decide and there were so many places, every, you know, everybody had, everybody connected so mm -hmm. much to the book that it was, it was, you know, it, you feel kind of emotional choosing one place when everybody has such a connection. But anyway, Hulu is our home and I obviously couldn't be happier because I have a long, long relationship with them and I love them. And so, um, yeah. And then we kind of, we kind of went, I wrote the pilot, um, Rosa helped me break it. Thank God. And, uh, and then, um, we, we basically started up in, let me back up for one sec in finding a place for the show to live. What was important to you? Honestly, everywhere was so great. I was just so happy that it would sell. Like, I mean, for me, I probably, what was important, I, I was probably the person who it was the least important to in some ways. And, uh, probably, I, I don't know that anyone was like, you know, 
Liz is deciding, but I, you know, but, um, I think it was just, I, I really just wanted to be someplace and we felt this with Hulu fully. Um, I just wanted to be someplace where they were really passionate about the material. I mean, it's, 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 it's easy to be passionate about, um, the caliber of people attached to it because obviously it's such a high, you know, high caliber group. Um, but I think it was like passion for the material and that you would want, you would want this book, whoever was attached to it, that you just love this book. I mean, that's, that's what was the most important to me. Um, and, and then obviously just, you know, having a good collaboration with somebody. I mean, I'm thinking of it in the notes, like nuts and bolts of like what makes my life good. I'm like, sure. who gives, who, whose <laughs> notes are great? Like, who, that counts, you know, though. just, uh, you know, who reads quickly? Like, you know, um, I, I think of it in the more like practical things, yeah. but, um, but yeah, so. Uh, and then for all of you, uh, I'd love to hear about like coming off of shows that you had worked on before projects you had worked on before. What is what's the good stuff that you took with you that you're able to apply to this show, which, you know, we've heard about is so different in many ways. And this room is different in many ways. But what did you learn from previous experiences that have proven valuable here or that have, you know, set you set you apart from everyone else in this room? What is the thing that you bring to this room? Either of those questions. <laughs> Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> And make me speak. I'm making Rosa's time. (laughs) Rosa's time. I mean, on Ice Queens, we had amazing cold opens. Yes, (laughs) we did. You're right. That is true. That we tried to pull in different, uh, like we had a Maury Povich, Connie Chung sex scene. Uh, Another one. (laughs) It's still available, everyone. It's still available. It's still out there on the open market. Everyone Um, wants to see that. They do. It's amazing. um, So, you know, we came in and we had the idea to sort of make each cold open almost like a mini short itself mm-hmm. and to give us, you know, because Celeste is able to fill in the character's backstory so effortlessly with her prose and in the novel form that we were trying to figure out a way to elegantly do that. Um, and so having these creative cold opens uh, we was a great way to execute that. And casual is just such a character piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it really helped me dig into how to write um, sort of small scenes where not a lot happens, but you learn so much about the characters itself. And, you know, I'm a comedy writer. Uh, yeah, so I try I to, to keep everybody entertained <laughs> <laughs> with bad jokes and hammy looks. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel a responsibility to comedy in this room? <laughs> I do. You know, I think everything goes down a little bit better sure. <laughs> with a joke. Well, I mean, there is great humor in the book. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Elena is a, you know, she's a complicated woman, but (laughs) she can be funny in her uh, neurosis. Neurosis. Rosa is also great at, I feel like her superpower um, as evidence on Ice Queens by really getting behind Nancy Kerrigan. She's able to get behind the character that you're not necessarily rooting for and really make you understand them so i feel like yeah. that is, is this- i mean her knee was whacked <laughs> Not her knee. it was really just below her i don't think it's being contrary i think it's just pointing out facts that sometimes we might overlook <laughs> like you know elena was in the house when izzy burned the house down so if elena didn't get out we might feel differently about that event it, it might not be as heroic mm-hmm. sure <laughs> Sure. Any literally anyone else. 
I, I can say something I learned not to do. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Which is, I came from the, the last big room I was in, I learned the hard way that joke pitches would land. So I learned like be very careful not to joke pitch or else somebody might, there might be a head in a box, you know, in an episode, which was a joke pitch on Empire. And then it was on screen. Did you, let me ask you this, um, in, in an effort to be a little bit positive, was there, yes. I love the experience on Brad. No, no, no. It's not about that. It's just about, and I I will open this to any of you. Like, did you learn about the way that you best are suited to a room? Like, what is your best behavior in a room to get your ideas across, to get along with everyone? Whatever that thing that was challenging to you in the first room that you were in. How are you bringing the solution to that? Yeah, I actually have a story about this because... um, I was the writer's assistant on Newsroom mm-hmm. uh, for season. He just, he just wanted to get that in. Yeah, that, that's it. That's all I have to say. I saw, I, I saw this <laughs> in my minimal <laughs> research, and I want to know everything. You may have heard of it. Um, was it Aaron Sorkin? Yes, it was Aaron Sorkin, Academy Award winning screenwriting legend. Um, no, I, I bring it up because on, on season three of that show, um, it, the room was really phenomenal in terms of its makeup. Including um, John Lovett, who you know now runs the Pod Save America Empire, um, <clears throat> uh, um, Paul Lieberstein and Jen Salata, who were co-showrunners of The Office. Um, uh, Deb Shoneman was also in that room, and Elena Smith. Um, but I remember sitting in that room and thinking, I will never be as funny as Paul. Or, or Jen, I'll never be anywhere near as close as John. And just being like, what the fuck am I doing here? I mean, I was in a writer's assistant, but like, what am I doing even aspiring to be in this class of people? And I, it was really only through my own writing did I figure out, it's like, you don't need to be the smartest. You don't need to be the funniest. You just have to be able to bring something that no one else can bring. Mm-hmm. Only you can bring. Mm-hmm. I, I still, I don't necessarily can't, I can't necessarily articulate what that is for myself. <laughs> you can't, Harris? No, well, oh, I, I can. Yeah. I, well, <laughs> Let's regard, hear it. <laughs> but, but regardless, like, I, I, I know that I, I, I have that confidence now. Mm-hmm. I have that confidence where, right? I still would rather be in a room where everyone is more talented and yes. smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I feel like I, I, if you bring your perspective that no one else can bring, and that's a really hard hard thing to figure out. I mean, because what I, sorry, hijack this for just a second, but like when I was writing scripts for the first time and, and everyone's like, write in your voice, write in your voice, write in your voice. And you, you like, of course you're like, yeah, of course I'm writing in my voice, but I wrote like 10 scripts before I actually, you know, wrote in my voice. I was writing this, like this voice that sounded like television or what I thought hmm. television sounded like. Um, so it really is. It's, it's finding that thing that only you can do. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, that's interesting. I like that story. Um, I, I realized that I needed to be a fan of a show to be able to write it. And I was like such a big fan of Scandal. Like, I mean, all the way, like, you know, to the end of just like, I mean, I always knew like the episode numbers, like I remembered what we did. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like enjoyed watching the show. And I think my I have to be enthusiastic about something. And that's why, I mean, with this show, like reading the book and like, being able to pitch when you really love the characters, when you really are excited mm-hmm. about the story. Um, and I mean, I, 
I know people who have been on shows and don't even watch the show and are still good in the room and still can write it. I'm like, how do you, I, I could never do that. Like if I wasn't, I mean, even with this job before, like I got some offers and there are certain shows and I just was like, I, I had to be honest and say, I don't know. I mean, anything about this world, I don't think I could bring anything to it because my thing is really being a fan of a show or a project. Um, and so, you know, every, I'm, I'm sure I, I hope I can still have that luxury for years to come when I'm in my golden years and I just need money. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see, but that's kind of what I'm writing on right now. So yeah, it makes a big difference. For yeah, sure. for sure. For sure. I was thinking about the first question you asked about like what you're bringing to the writer's room. And I think one of my favorite lessons from working on Lovecraft Country is like, constantly interrogating a character's everything, like every move they make, everything that they say. Would this character do this? What's their arc? Does this line up with the last scene? Like we have so many characters and I think that's been very useful being like, wait, didn't Trip just have the argument with the thing? Why is he being in such a good mood here? Like really tracking uh, where each character is, where we need to get them, and does this make sense for them right here? Because there are so many cool things of like, I want this character to say this right now. I want this character to do this right now. And it's like, but is that true for the character that we've built? And every time you, I ask that question, it's like, it sucks because it might mean that you're losing something that you really want to see on TV. But it's like, if it's not true to the character, you have to let it go or you have to, it, sometimes it just means it's not in this episode, it's later. So really just being like true to these characters and true to where they come from and who what, who they are as parents, who we've shown them to be. There are times when we think we've showing a character to be one way. And then we're like, wait, if you actually look at the episodes, we haven't quite hit that yet. Like we need to go back and make those adjustments. So I thought that was a really good lesson for me to learn. And I think as far as comfortability in the room and confidence, um, my first room, I was really quiet. I was really nervous. I didn't quite have imposter syndrome. What are you laughing at? <laughs> wait, what's imp- wait, what's imposter syndrome? Um, what, what, what I you, didn't. Oh, like what feel is like you don't belong syndrome? there. Oh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, no, I didn't have that. But oh, okay. I had something. <laughs> imposter syndrome. Of like I'm gonna play my role, and and I think that like one of the big things that kind of looms over your head is like, don't be the angry black girl, because that's who I am in my soul, and it's like, don't be that girl. <laughs> don't do it. Don't say it. And then by the second room I was in, I was like, I gotta say it. I can't. <laughs> I was homecoming. Julia Roberts is out here poisoning black men. <laughs> I got to say something. Um, and then I was like angrier, like a little, I let that anger out. And now it's just gloves are now off. Now you're just playing But it's light. also because I have four black women in a room with me. So I'm like, you're here. Like, you're here. You're here. I'm going to just go crazy. I'm going to say all the crazy shit that no, I No, because it's not just you. Exactly. And that's, that's what Liz was saying So you're not going to walk away from the room and be like, oh, man, black Everyone. girls are crazy. It's like, no, Shannon's crazy. <laughs> Shannon's yeah. angry. Exactly. You get to be Shannon. You're not the only. You don't, you don't have to be the only black girl in the room. And I do think, like you were saying earlier, that has been great, at least for us and me, at least for me and us is that like, yes, you can be Shannon. Like, oh, that's so Shannon versus like. Not so angry black woman, <laughs> you know, it makes a difference. So you can, yeah. you can be yourself. That's right. <laughs> and I'm still not there, by the way. I'm still holding back, guys. <laughs> we have three Are days you? left. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
how does how does the room work? So what was the breaking period? What did you walk into the room with Liz having already planned? And then what was sort of, I mean, I assume a lot was discovered in the room. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, the pilot was written beforehand just because I had come off an experience where there hadn't been a pilot and it just... Um, it's very hard to start a room where the room has no touchstone and no idea kind of, and where the pilot isn't written. So it's in flux and could be up for grabs. It's like, you need more of a solid footing than that. So we started the room with the pilot and over on that board, I kind yeah. of broke out what I thought it would be based on the book and how I wanted to adjust the book. Um, or, you know, amplify, I shouldn't say adjust, I mean, amplify things because it's a series, not a book and, and, you know, have some of those soapier twists that lead to more story. So I kind of broke it out that way. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think what we've done is pretty different from that, but that created kind of a good foundation and starting point. And just even the exercise of doing it was helpful. Did you do it on your own? Um, Yes, that I did on and my own. how long own. did it take? I'm asking questions. How long did it take? <laughs> um, I'm taking notes. I don't know how long it took. I mean, it probably, I don't know. It probably took, it, who knows? It probably took a couple weeks or something. Um, and then the assistants were amazing and they actually helped me break out. It used to be really crazy in here, but they helped me put up every beat of the book on the wall by character just so that like we could reference it right in sure. the beginning. Um and then, yeah, and then and then we started. And so, you know, we spent, you know, we probably spent a week talking about the show in like a macro way mm -hmm. and just getting to know each other and, and talking about big ideas and kind of different big swings we might want to take. And then after about a week or two weeks, then we kind of honed in on, on the second episode. And we pretty much break, you know, an episode every, I would say every seven days, um, by the time we break it and blend it and send a writer off to outline, it's a pretty, I mean, it's been a pretty efficient schedule. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe with the later episodes, we've taken a little bit longer just because now it's like, you don't have anywhere to go. You're just kind of like backed into where it leads and, <laughs> and figuring out, yeah. you know, how to, how to make it work for TV. So so, and for the rest of you, when you came into the room, I assume everyone had read the book. Was there material other than the thematic stuff? Was there, were there scenes? Were there plot turns? Was there stuff you thought, I can't wait to get my hands on this. I have an idea for this. Um, whether that happened or not. No, I had lots of questions. I might, in my little notebook here, I had like two pages of things I just wanted to talk about with the group mm -hmm. and, and what was the scope of those oh like i imagine it was <laughs> i can open it we up talked right about now. some of the big my ideas. first question was why 1997 <laughs> have That's we gotten fair. from celeste what the choice meant for her mm -hmm. like just things like that i want to know were we being casual about the time period or were we really going to then use it to say something else about other things it was just stuff like that mm -hmm. i just I'd already read the book just as a reader and then I read it again and just wrote down things I wanted to just be part of a discussion in the macro way. Interesting. I was really excited about the flashback um, with Mia. I think because of the setting and just thinking about like, as soon as I read it, I was thinking about um, all the professors I loved at Sarah Lawrence college. And like, you have very intimate relationships with them at that school. And it's like, I really got the idea of you meet a, 
somebody that you're studying under and you feel transformed. Mm -hmm. So even in 106, like I was telling Liz, um, the title comes from something that I learned in a literary theory class with my professor who I still am in contact with. Like, um, I, I really connected to that idea of like meeting a person, learning an art form and feeling transformed and then feeling like if I lose this, I don't know who I am. I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know who I am without this thing. So I was really excited to get to that stuff. And um, for me, too, the adoption stuff was really exciting. And I was already thinking, like, what can we say that's different about adoption that I've been thinking about for a long time? Um, what can we bring to this conversation that's as uncomfortable as it is in the book? And, like, are we going to have the balls to do it? Like, can we can we do it? Can we tell a story like this and be, I guess the challenge is like being respectful and understanding of all sides and all, and all sides, including like the adoptive parents, the birth parents, and then, and the birth child too, and the adopted child. I was really, uh, I obviously love Mia's backstory in the book. Uh, it's so beautiful. I think everyone cries during it. Um, but I was curious, we're presented with such a intense, uh, character in Elena and it's alluded to a past that has potentially uh, created her as she is now in the book. And I was really excited to figure out a way in our show to see how she got to be this controlled woman and what that backstory actually was. And that was like a fun discovery that all of us got to do. Yeah, I mean, I imagine doing the show, having eight hours gives you an opportunity to dig in on not just ideas, but on a lot of these characters and make stuff up where where you had to or got to. Yeah, there were a lot of kind of things like Rosa saying that were alluded to in the book or 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 just even things that she, you know, Celeste didn't have the real estate to go, you know, even more kind of off into that tangent. Um and we were able to, so that that felt really fun. Yeah. And and I think one of the things that I was most excited about the show and um and I think got even more excited as we got in the room and we all watched Killing Eve. Mm. Um, I've been on so many shows that are about two women. Um, you know, it's like they, they're best friends or they're like mortal enemies. It's like, she's old, she's young, she's this, she, she's successful. She wants to be her. Like, how are they going to like, she's, she's tall, she's short. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she has red hair. She has blonde hair. Like whatever it is, like, that it's just this kind of very um, uh, binary look at relationships between women. And I think that I, what I have been the most excited about in the show is is to create, and, and I, I say Killing Eve because we all kind of watched it coming into this and we're like, oh, the way it's done is so, you know, just amazing and complicated. And that line between like loving someone and hating somebody and being obsessed with them and being repulsed by them and then kind of wanting to be them and then kind of wanting to be with them and it just all this messiness and, and complexity. And I think that that was that was really fun in terms of exploring the characters of Mia and Elena and how they really circle each other and how their relationship changes, especially how their relationship really stays the same for one of them and really profoundly changes for another. Um, and the kind of misconceptions that they both have about each other and then the ways that they are fiercely similar. So I think just just writing complicated women with a complicated, complex relationship to each other, you know, 
as TV writers, I think we aspire to do that more. And then I sometimes think we just don't get the chance to. Um, And the way women are portrayed can be so silly that this has just felt really satisfying. Yeah, I want to ask as we start to wrap up, what were some of, I mean, it sounds like this has been just a tremendous experience for everyone. Uh, and I'm sure the, the show will, will prove that out. What have been the challenges specific to this show? What have been the stuff that you all have struggled with, whether it was, um, story or character or, or some of the bigger ideas? I mean, I think some of the challenges as Shannon was just talking about, I mean, one challenge is there is so much we would love to get in and say, there are so many things we would like to explore. And with only eight episodes, you're challenged with how much you can fit in. But, you know, this could, you know, I think, I think we've taken this beautiful book that's so beloved and I hope we've expanded it. I think in a, in another universe, we could have expanded it even more because there's just so much there. Um, I think some of the challenges have been just translating something that's in written form to TV and the way you can kind of say something in writing in a sentence that suddenly when you're seeing it in a scene or in an act, it, it takes on a whole different, um, uh, tone or says something different about a character. It, it just, it, sometimes things can be easier to read and harder to see. And so, you know, that's been an aspect of it too. Um, and then the challenge also of the fact it's, it's wonderful that we're writing all the scripts ahead of time, but like you said, we haven't actually seen anything. So we don't have actors cast, um, you know, in like, who's going to be our Lexi? Who's going to be our trip? Who's going to be our Izzy? Who's going to be our Pearl? Like we don't have, and Moody, uh, but (laughs) we don't, we don't have, um, those, you know, touchstones as actors to also connect with. So, and how does that change the character? Yeah, exactly. Having an actor. It does. Like, I mean, another example from, from empire, which is Taraji, like, defined who that character was. Yeah. I mean, there was whatever was on paper and then she just did this other thing. We're like, oh, well now we're going in this direction. Right. Like that was a show because um, Lee Daniels was somebody who really like um, allowed for an encouraged improvisation. It meant that in a lot of ways we were following the actors in some mm-hmm. way, not in terms of story, but it would affect how we wrote scenes sure. because we, we got how they were playing them and how they were. And then also there got to be a point where like sometimes, I mean, frankly, it was like Taraji was going to say something funnier than what I was going to write anyway. So <laughs> let me just get this script turned in. Like, I mean, there was a sense of like, not stretch, like you were in much more of a yeah. partnership in terms of dialogue. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say in terms of storylines, but in terms of dialogue, you were doing a dance with the actors. Mm-hmm. And so here there's no way to know like how, who's, how somebody's going to play a certain, sure. the, a role. So you're missing that, but whoever gets to be on set gets right. to. Right. I, mean, I yeah. was going to ask but that. But that is the, cha- that to me is the, probably like one of the other big challenges of it is, uh, and this is like obviously a bigger thing, but the way rooms are constructed now, especially in streaming or cable, you do have the creative luxury of writing all the episodes beforehand, but of course it means you lose your writing staff and it robs the writing staff of producing their own episodes. And, and, you know, 
obviously I feel very connected to every episode, but nobody is going to feel as connected as the person who wrote it. And so that to me is, it's, it's not a challenge we're dealing with yet, but that's a challenge that will impact us later because it would be nice if everybody could see their episode through, be on set for it, see it through post. You know, that's kind of the old school model that doesn't seem to exist anymore, which is, um, which is a bummer. Yeah, there has to be a medium, uh, yeah. which I, I feel like we'll figure out at some point. Yeah. Um, let me wrap up by asking you all what you are watching on television these days. What's getting you excited or inspired? What are you um, talking about in the room? What are you talking about with your families? Before that, let me ask, because I know people are going to want to know, um, Have you has Celesting been involved yeah, Celeste came into the room, um, which was great. She sat in here for a couple of days when we were breaking uh, Shannon's episode, The Flashback. And I think she had a really good time. We loved having her in here. And it was great because we could ask her questions. And she talks a lot about Shaker. And then we send her every script once it's approved um, or kind of during the approval process for her to do a Celeste kind of shaker <laughs> pass so that we can make sure that we're really um, capturing the spirit of the town and being That's accurate. Cool. And so she's, she's, it's, it's been fun. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, uh, Celeste really impressed me being in the room because I was like nervous for her because I feel like <laughs> if I had written this book and like I heard some of the things that we were talking about, which we were just, you know, whole cloth creations that she would totally mm -hmm. freak out. But she was so cool with it. I mean, she was even pitching on yeah. stories that, you know, that are that are original to the show um, and, and excited about it. And and I, I said something to her about this and she said, like, you know, to me, this is like it's like a this is its own thing now. Yeah, like yeah, this is. isn't my I have the book. The book's yeah. always going to be there. This is going to be the show. It's, it's like a cover version of a song. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like and I want to hear the cover version. Yeah, that's she great. She gave us kind of a show and tell of Shaker Heights. She brought in her yearbook. She brought in the welcome packet for people who yes. are moving to Shaker. And because Shaker Heights is really, a, it's very much a character um, in the series. And so she sort of, we had done a lot of our own research, of course, but she just brought in That's great. more. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about TV. What are you watching these days? Uh, Shannon, we're going to start with you and we're going to come around this way. Sex Education mm -hmm. on Netflix is so good. I love <laughs> it. I just watched um, the abduction Psychosed in abducted in plain sight. Listen, here's your warning, <laughs> listener. Just be careful, listener. It's wild. Now, it's, now, also keep in mind these are all a year old by the time uh, people hear yeah. this. It will still be on that. They're not taking it away. Um, those are my two. <laughs> Most what is recent. it about abduction? Why are people going crazy for this? I haven't watched because it. it's buck wild <laughs> because it's so personal because it's like literally a friend and the story is insane. It's just an, and then and you left out a part. I mean, it doesn't matter now. I can say it right. There are aliens. Yeah. There's an there's a whole oh, alien. Yeah, aliens. Well, you didn't say anything about the aliens. aliens. They convinced her she had been abducted. <laughs> That she was married Wait, to an alien. What is it? Is it a show? It's no, a documentary. documentary. It's an hour and a half of your fun. life. It's worth every minute. <laughs> no, it's good. Rob and I are going to do Dirty John. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dirty John. We started been that. So talking a lot about the Fire Festival docs. Oh, the Fire yeah. Festival we're obsessed with. <laughs> sure. The death of our. Culture. Uh, I just started Russian Doll. <laughs> yeah, I started Russian, Russian Dolls yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, a lot of fun. I'm. I don't know if I'm gonna go with it, but it's just such a recipe for all the stuff I like. But it, it might be kind of corny. But I'm watching the TNT. I am the night. Oh, People I like wanted it. to see that. Yeah. Is it good? 
Chris Pine? I just watched the whole season of Killer Mike on Netflix. I heard oh. it's great. I haven't started it. Amazing. He should be it. president. I'm going to say this <laughs> on the interweb. But yes, he should be. It's just he goes around. I, he, he he gets these drinks, uh, this Crippa Cola, and then convinces the Bloods to get their own. And they like, it, it's just, I, I, I wish I could explain more. But you just, it's yeah. it's half hour. It's probably like six or seven episodes. It just flowed right nicely on a Friday night. And I was just like, he should be our president. Nice. I feel like, okay, so I feel like there's there are so many shows now that like it's almost like I get paralyzed and be like, I, I don't know what to watch. <laughs> and so I almost feel guilty about this, but I'm, I'm going back and actually watching the shows that I love the most, like The Sopranos and Game of Thrones, which everyone is probably tired of hearing me talk about. But I also find that in general, like it's great to see a lot of stuff, but the more I've seen something, the, the more I've watched one thing, the better I can deconstruct it. Um, and that really helps me when I'm writing to really draw on these things that I, that I think are so well made. There was just a study about that about kids. And when you reread the same books to your kid over and over and over again, it makes them smarter. It's the same concept that when you're replaying stuff that you don't get distracted by the plot anymore, you're just actually understanding in a child's case how a sentence is put together. But in our case, how scenes are put together, how. So I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but this is TV. You're supposed to be having fun. Like, yeah. you can't just be watching to learn. He's studying. Like, That's fun some, for watch him. some new shit. I, I do have fun, and I will watch some new shit. It's a very long list. Um, um, Atlanta season two, like, I fucking blows my mind still. I actually still thinking about that sometimes. You, yeah, I, re- I rewatched yeah, that one. That and People vs. OJ. I just like, I'm like, oh, let oh, me yeah. just put that on right quick. Yeah. High yeah. maintenance season three. Okay. Oh. <laughs> it's good. I'm watching Versace right now, but I'm this now it's like two years old. But yeah, it's still a good answer. It's really good. Shannon was a was a TV critic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That that's right? right. Shannon watches a lot of things. <laughs> Shannon watches a lot of things and has three kids and comes in and pitches and writes awesomely. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm just she like, you, I think she's that a robot. <laughs> yes. Pace magazine. I was the TV editor at Pace magazine and um, that's kind of how I got my start. I wrote for a lot of other places, but shout out to Pace. All right. Listen, come on the regular podcast. We'll get into <laughs> oh, it. Uh, it. The invitation's open to all of you. Um, thank you so much for, for having us here. I'm excited about the show. Congrats thank on you. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. Meow, <coughs> meow,